Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal." In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. 
Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I don't want to go into our first reading from Genesis 15 much, except to say that Abram is the man whom God later calls Abraham. And this is the passage where Abram receives God's promise that he will become the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. Let me suggest that you reread the passage later at home, for much depends upon this story. In particular, there is a point where it says that God believed Abraham, I mean, Abraham believed God in his promise and was credited to, to him for righteousness. His belief was enough for God to declare Abraham righteous. But let me spend some time now on our readings from Philippians and Luke's gospel. So I'm going to start with another story. There's a story of a man, we're going to call him Fred. He wanted to learn how to play golf. Any of you ever been a Fred wanting to learn how to play golf? Fred got by okay with his day job. Not great, but okay. And he had some spare time on the weekends. Fred always had spare time. So like many people, Fred went to his friend Bob because Fred knew that Bob golfed most weekends. Fred asked Bob if Bob would teach him how to play golf. And Bob replied, uh, I'm not a very good player. You really ought to go to the golf pro at the local country club and you ought to pay some money for some lessons. But Fred insisted upon having his friend teach him. Because first of all, how difficult could it be to hit a ball into a hole? Secondly, Fred didn't want to become a professional golfer. He just wanted to become a good hobby player adding golf to his resume. You know, he, he liked to, to tell people what he did for a living and such, and then saying, I also play golf. That's what he wanted to do. Fred's friend Bob, is, though, had never hit below 85, let alone making par with a 72. But he did his best. Bob knew that a good swing was critical, so he taught Fred how to swing the club. Of course, most of the time, you see, Bob had this bad slice, and so when he hit the ball, it goes off to the side, and he managed to teach Fred how to do that, too. Bob had some trouble putting out on the green, but he did his best to teach Fred, and, of course, Fred then had difficulties putting out also. The long and short of it was that Fred generally shot about 100 on a 72-par course, because he'd learned the same bad habits that his friend Bob had carried all those years that he'd played. And he had a few more bad habits because Bob didn't know enough to correct those habits. And so after about a year, Fred gave up on playing golf, decided that he could never be good enough to enjoy the game, and he decided that he'd learn how to play ping pong instead. On the other hand, there was another man named Harry. And Harry was successful at many things. He was always busy. Harry also went to Bob to learn how to play golf. Now, Harry never started anything unless he thought he could become a success at it. So when Bob suggested 
that Harry go to the golf pro at the local country club. Harry listened. He went to the country club and was introduced to a man everybody called Tiger. Seems that Tiger was an expert and was well respected on the pro tour. So Harry listened to Tiger's instructions and he practiced like Tiger taught him to and he practiced his swing with Tiger watching and you know Harry shot 80 on his first time on the course. And over the next few months with Tiger's advice and consistent hard work, Harry was soon shooting in the high 60s and Harry eventually even won some tournaments. You know, most people approach Christianity and many other things in life the same way Fred approached golf. They go to their friend and ask them what Christianity is all about. And their friend suggests that they come to church and listen to the local pastor and attend some Bible studies, but they aren't at all serious about learning Christianity. Because after all, how hard could it be to get right with God? And besides, they don't want to become Billy Graham. And so they settle for listening to a preacher on the radio or on television. And they ask their friend for advice. And so the friend tells them what he or she knows. But the friend didn't really understand a few things. And so they passed on those misunderstandings to them. Nothing wrong with what the friend was trying to do. But, you know, there were some misunderstandings. And after a while, they fi- the, the guy who's trying to learn Christianity figures... Well, I guess I'll worry about Christianity if I'm ready to die someday. And then there's a car wreck, and they never recover consciousness, and someday has come. And they don't have the answers that they could have had by attending church regularly and listening to the local church pro, the pastor, or the excellent Sunday school teacher. But you know, there are always people who always seem to be successful at anything probably because they carefully consider what's important to them in life and they prioritize their time, scheduling time to learn new things, scheduling time to practice, approaching the people who are already good at the things they'd like to learn. And so they apply this focus and this commitment to everything. They work hard, they practice, they listen to the experts, and they become successful. And when they do this with Christianity... They become Christians that make a difference in the world. They're transformed for the better by Jesus. And they help other people to grow with them. And so they and their loved ones, they never worry about their eternal destiny. Nobody ever asks, does Grandpa know Jesus? For they know deep down in their hearts that they're doing God's will and they know that God loves them and they tell people this. And so their friends see them as joyful, productive, and people who love God. The Apostle Paul wrote of this to the church at Philippi in ancient Greece. The city was a Roman colony of retired soldiers in northeastern Greece where Paul and several friends had established a church a couple of decades earlier. Paul pointed out to the Philippians that he was still pressing onward to learn still more about Jesus and do still more that Jesus asked. Paul wrote to them a letter, part of which says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For the greatest danger to Christians is that we become complacent, 
satisfied with what we know and feeling like we're doing plenty for Jesus. So many Christians consider their Christianity to be an add-on to their lives like Fred wanted his golf playing to be. You'll remember that Fred thought it would be nice to tell people he golfed, to add it to his resume as a hobby, kind of like you might say, well, I do this and I do that and I do this and I also own two cats. Many people want to add Christianity to their resume, but it isn't a core part of them. So they say, I went to church as a child, but now the really important stuff in my life comes next. So I'll go to college, and I'll get a job, and I'll get married, buy a house, have a couple of kids. And then when the house is fixed up, anybody ever get your house fixed up? And the kids are behaving. When are the kids behaving? And my marriage is okay, and I've got enough money. Then we'll all go to church. After all, I already believe in God. Anything else is just extra, right? But that, my friends, is like saying you'll wear clothes to work but not take your arms and legs to work with you. That's like saying that the clothes are more important than the body. For you see, it's that twice-weekly attendance at church that keeps people on track to accomplish all those other things. For you see, Christianity is supposed to be far more important than your job, than even your marriage and your children, and especially more important than your house or your hobbies. For at the end of time, the great judge of all creation will ask Jesus if you're one of his people, and it would be shame if Jesus said, well, he considered me less important than his job, his house, his vehicle, his marriage, and his children, considered me less important than his hobbies, and so I have to honestly say I never knew him. My friends, over the last couple of years, it has been difficult to stay connected to a church. We in leadership have worked terribly hard to make sure that you can stay connected through newsletters and mailings, through Facebook, Facebook Live, YouTube videos, radio broadcasts, and struggling to keep the doors open on Sundays. But now our counties are green. We're down under 60 cases in the county. That's one, less than one person in a thousand is infected today. The number of COVID cases is falling rapidly. That's about half what it was a week ago. So it's time to return with a serious intent. And if you haven't attended church much in the past, now's the time to put Jesus first, the one who protected you from death through all of this. You've been given a great gift of time the last couple years. But now it's time to bring your family and your spouse, your teenagers and your toddlers, your infants and your elderly mother to church once again. It's time to reconnect with the God of the universe and the body of Christ before it's too late. Wear a mask if you want. Don't wear a mask if you don't want. We're almost all vaccinated or we've had the disease, so we're going to be okay. But unless you're particularly vulnerable, and some people are, and we'll keep our online services up for you if you're one of those people. But for the vast bulk of people, it's time to stop using COVID as an excuse. Think about your children. Do you realize that 90% of Christians accepted Jesus before their 18th birthday? 
And do you realize that 85% of Christians accepted Jesus before they turned 13? Ask your children and grandchildren who Jesus is and see if they can tell you about the crucifixion and the resurrection and mention that Jesus is the Son of God. See how much or how little they know and then start teaching them, filling in the gaps. How much do you know? You know, I hear so often that parents are afraid to bring children to church because they won't behave. I'm going to tell you something. We've all been there. And in this church, we love children. Many aren't here today, probably because of the weather. Many of us were restless as children ourselves. I see one guy in the back row that I know was restless as a child. My wife and I raised five children. The youngest one, whoever that happened to be at the time, was always restless for the first few weeks when they came to church. But they learned and they settled down. I've greeted three-year-olds who have walked up to me in the pulpit while I was preaching. And I've been so overjoyed that they felt comfortable approaching me and that they were running in the aisles of our church and not in the streets outside on a Sunday morning. Bring your children and don't be afraid to let them be children when they're here. Because it's necessary for all people to learn about the love of Christ. And we'll try to show that to your children here. Paul spoke about this. He said, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. This is the difference that church can make in your family. There have always been people who have been enemies of Jesus. Don't let your family join that army. Instead, let's join together to teach them that Jesus loves them and you. Jesus had to deal with people who believed themselves to be his enemies. But Jesus always worked to love people and to bring them inside to become his friends. In today's gospel lesson from Luke's gospel, Jesus has been preaching in the area closer and closer to Jerusalem. And a group of Pharisees who were a group of rule-following Jews, they came to Jesus and said, you need to leave the area. King Herod wants to kill you. The king had already arrested and killed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, so this was no idle threat. But Jesus wasn't intimidated. He said, go tell that fox, I'll keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I'll reach my goal. Now, because of the Greek fables, we think of the fox as this smart, crafty, maybe a little sneaky creature. But you know, in ancient Israel... The fox was considered to be a cowardly little dog with a bark and no bite. It's about the way that many people think of chihuahuas today. And by the way, I've owned a long-haired chihuahua before, so don't send me nasty letters. Jesus was leveling a strong insult at King Herod by calling him a fox. A little dog that was all bark and no bite. Jesus sent word to Herod that he'd keep up his ministry, he'd keep it going. He'd keep it going today and tomorrow, and then he'd reach his goal on the third day. 
And of course, he was crucified on a Friday afternoon and died, and he was dead on Saturday, the second day. And he rose from the dead on the third day, and he reached his goal. Well, after this, Jesus then looked at Jerusalem. Apparently, they were outside of town a little ways. And he pointed out that he had to continue because no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it's the, it's the peace of the Jews. That's what the name means. It was the city that was the center of Israel. It was the capital. It was the largest city. It was the home of the temple of God. And yet it was also known as the city that resisted God's word the most. The place where the prophets had died for centuries. It was where those people who had been sent to speak on behalf of God were killed. It was where the prophets were killed by the people of Jerusalem. Why? Because the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of 71 elders of Israel who met in Jerusalem, they were legally supposed to try all would-be prophets and condemn false prophets to death. Just as Jerusalem was the center of God's worship in ancient times, today it's in the countries and cities that consider themselves the most godly that Satan sends his minions. Take Russia today. Vladimir Putin waves on his resume that he's a Christian. He says he considers the, the Russian Orthodox Church to be the most faithful Christian church. Putin has even spoken of having a holy war to reunite the Russian Orthodox and Ukrainian Orthodox churches together again. Yet you know his actions are far from Christian and far from holy. He doesn't depend upon God to fight his battles, but he seeks his own power for he wants to be equal to God. He no longer cares what people think. He no longer cares what God thinks. Putin just wants to win and destroy those who oppose him. And you know, there's also American politicians and ordinary people today who speak of being Christian, and once again they wave their resumes and say they're Christian, yet they pick and they choose their doctrines. They're more concerned with scoring a political victory than accomplishing good. Some enable the killing of the unborn and loudly profess their faith. Others ask for violence against other politicians and say they're conducting a holy struggle where violence is just because the other side they say is evil. Neither side is showing Christian behavior. It's not holy. It's not good. It's simply a fight for power. When either side is out of power, they overlook the statement that Paul makes in Romans 13 where he says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. Let's not become caught up in such worldly movements. They're not Christian. It can keep us from listening to true prophets and join the crowd in stoning them. Let's become Christians in truth. And not just people who put our Christianity on our resume. After all, our children and our grandchildren are watching us and listening to us. Are you a true Christian or are you a resume-waving Christian? Jesus, after his reminder that no prophet can die outside Jerusalem, then spoke to his listeners and to the city of Jerusalem, not as a rabbi or a teacher, 
He did not speak as a prophet or as a wise man. He spoke as the Son of God come to earth, sorrowful, as a parent whose children fight with each other. He spoke as God standing upon the earth, and despite what the city had done to his prophets, despite what the city was going to do to him, despite the way the city did not live up to the name of being the peace of the Jews, he spoke sadly to it, and he did not condemn it. Instead, he spoke of the grace he offered. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. And look, your house is left to you desolate. But he spoke on deaf ears that day. Knowing the full story of the gospel, will we be willing to come together as true Christians to worship Jesus, to join together in making an eternal difference by leading others to Christ? Will we pray for peace for all nations and groups of people? Will we speak and act holy? Or will we encourage death and destruction while claiming the name of Christ for appearance's sake? Jesus made one last statement that day before leading his disciples back onto the road away from Jerusalem. He said to the city, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was what the crowd chanted and cheered. Months later, as Jesus rode the donkey's colt down the Mount of Olives and entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, just a few days before he was arrested and tried in front of the Sanhedrin and condemned first by the Jewish rulers and then Pilate, who was the Gentile ruler, the Roman governor, and so he was condemned that day by the rulers of both the Jews and the Gentiles. And then the crowd on Jerusalem, the crowd in Jerusalem turned on him and demanded his death on the crowd, on the cross. So the rulers of Jews, the ruler of the non-Jews, and the people of the earth all agreed that Jesus must die. Even his disciples left him that day, and so he was killed for claiming to be God, which of course he was. So come to the altar during this song. Will you bow down and ask forgiveness for the sins you've committed that Jesus may forgive you for all eternity? Will you teach your children and your grandchildren to bow in prayer through example and teaching? Will you show them what it means to be a true follower of Christ?
Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.